Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I'm joined by Craig McDonald, my partner in crime. Welcome back, Craig. I've just finished training, so I'm a little bit uh, He's a bit little sweaty. Bit, a bit frazzled. Yeah, you're still the old eyes, getting on the uh, the pendulum squat with me as well, aren't you? He's loving it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, it's been a couple of years. Well, obviously the usual gym doesn't have one. Go-to doesn't have one. So yeah. I've been going over to uh, another gym that, that has one. I was like, oh, I just I feel like I need a another quad dominant. <laughs> It's quite fun. Exercise change up, yeah, it is. It's yeah. it's awesome, especially because of the range of motion you get on it. It's just uh, it's just crazy, and it's good because compared to like a leg press or hack squat, you yeah. only need to load like one or two plates on there, and yeah. that's all you need. Like it's a massive ego killer, but it just saves a lot of time. You know, I have a leg press, you'll put on like six plates a side, and like yeah, that's a workout in itself. <laughs> I know. I did like forty five kilos. It's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> squat like one hundred and twenty kilos. I'm like, oh man, my quads are toast today. Mm. good yeah no and it's good too like the what do you what do you talk about the the fatigue to stimulus ratio i feel is yeah yeah it's it's high 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 stimulus fatigue fatigue. yeah yeah it's awesome which is good for me and it just it it more than any other kind of squat move whether it's a v-hack or a normal sled hack or you know leg press or whatever it's just it's because of the the arc that it goes on and the way the the back support sort of set up yeah. Is it you can just get such an extreme range of motion that you can't for, for most people you can't really get on all those other machines. It's hard to fuck it up really because it's well you can't you can't yeah. you're doing perfect reps all the time and the stimulus is just so high you know um, it's interesting you know like in the past with your know, onboarding clients you know I look through their uh, their intake form that they fill out and there's obviously there's a training section where we get them to list out you know. All the all the pictures of uh, all the different pieces of equipment in case people don't know. And I'm like, just give it a tick, yes or no. Do you have one of those in gym? Yes, yes, yes. And then when I'm looking through the form and I see that someone's got a pendulum squat, I'm like, oh, that's going straight in there. <laughs> We're doing that because it's just one of those things. I know people can't fuck it up. And it's and it's just going to tell. People are like, oh, my God, I can hardly walk after this thing. I'm so sore, like in a good way, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good. I'm really enjoying my uh, pullback for three days now, which just fits in perfect perfectly with my schedule, which is one thing we'll talk about is fitting your training program mm-hmm. to your schedule. Um, and, yeah, full body, I'm really enjoying full body. And we've pulled out the squats, which were pretty fatiguing. Yeah. Because I like to push them hard and they're heavy. So, like, all I feel like all these exercises, I mean, the RDLs, are, they're the hardest probably and the, the heaviest and the most fatiguing. But it's only one exercise really that I find is like that. So, yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really good. I think I think that's good, you know, what you were saying about the stimulus fatigue ratio on, on the pendulum. Like, if you've got, and that's where exercise selection, you know, really comes into it. And, and this is more... You know, if you're a bit more of like an intermediate to advanced lifter, like at the start, you you know, you're still learning the skill of lifting. So you're not going to be executing things in a way with a high amount of effort to really extract like a massive, you know, massive stimulus and fatigue from a lot yeah. of exercise because you're still learning the skill of it. So you're getting a lot more neurological adaptions as opposed to those real like legit, you know, uh, 
hypertrophy kind of adaption. So um, as you as you become more advanced and the skill of lifting gets better, the stimulus massively goes up because the way you execute it and you want, you're owning every inch of that movement, you can control in the eccentric, there's no quick changes of direction. Like it's just, it's really, really well executed. The stimulus goes up, but depending on the exercise, the fatigue can exponentially go up as well. So that's where exercise selection starts to play a really big role as you become more advanced, where it's just like things that you could get away with. It's like, oh, I can squat bench and leg, uh, squat bench, deadlift, leg press, all of the ones that is. Like I did. Anymore, you know, like, yeah. like for you, you know, you were squatting um, and uh, doing your heavy remaining in, in the same week. And even that that for you was too taxing. But you as as a squat, like your your ability to squat is very, very good. And you squat a lot of heavy weights. So it's sort of like the way you train, like pushing towards failure, pretty close to failure, even on your squats, which a lot of people can't get to because there is a high skill element in doing that. Um, it just massively fatigues you. So it's sort of like, okay, well, let's, which one do we want to focus on? You know, it's just like, okay, I want to focus on the, the Romanian and, and really try and, and pendulum. Hit some new PBs, all right. So the the squat's got a. It, it, it is amazing too. Which I've obviously realised, you know, as time has gone on, and I've done it, but you know, I'm only really able to, for me, because I like to push it. I like to push my training hard to failure, um, and those big exercises are pretty fatiguing. So I can only really have one. Yes. But but when I have one, it progresses much quicker because I'm not yeah. feeling fucked from. Yeah. Doing more than one. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, like you, you'll continue with the the RDLs for a while and eventually you'll kind of hit a bit of a threshold where, you know, you, you, you might run and then it might be like, okay, well, let's pull that out and bring the squats back in. Maybe then you were like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to keep pushing the squats. So it's just like one takes a back seat, the other one progresses for a while and then you park that and then you bring the other one back in or you find a another big exercise that you potentially want to be in. And I think, you know, for, for most advanced people, that's generally where it kind of comes down to, you know, even, uh, you know, like you look at a lot of the sort of top bodybuilders, they just kind of, depending on how they train and stuff, but you see a lot of them, they usually just have this one big movement and they have lots of accessories around it. They'll do a big set of hack squats and then the rest of the section session is just going to be leg curls and calves and leg extensions, you know, maybe some lunges. But it's usually just one that one big movement because it's just it's so fatiguing at that stage. So mm, mm. exercise selection is definitely key. You know? And, and also have- it's it's because it's it's not fun feeling fucked all the time. Nah. Um, and nah. and I think, you know, when you're doing a lot of big movements that where you're losing using a lot of heavy weights, after a while that kind of anxiety factor can kind of creep into your training a little bit. We're like, oh my God, I've got to do that again. <laughs> I, do I just don't want to do that today. <laughs> You know, you'll get it. So, you know, I think if you could set up your training a little bit more specifically where um, you're not getting that as often, um, I think is is probably a good way of doing things from a longevity perspective anyway, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just to notice that your skin's looking good, Craig, we've been uh, testing the new <laughs> Saturay. He's making funny faces methylene blue vitamin C serum, which is so exciting. We've been formulating. It could be just this amazing ring light that I've <laughs> No, it's the serum. <laughs> I have been using it. And you yeah, have I, many I, blue. I, um, yeah, yeah so we, it's really exciting. Emma yeah. has been ch- talking to him for a while about 
methylene blue um, and it apparently there's heaps of studies um, on the benefits it has topically for skin. Mm. Um, so it doubles for elastin and collagen production and boosts skill, uh, skin cell density, which which makes your skin look younger and healthier, which who doesn't want that? Yeah. Um, and then there's vitamin C, which has been used topically for years and years. But um, what happens is the vitamin C actually takes the blue out. Because everyone's yeah. like, oh, but isn't it blue? Isn't, isn't it going to turn your skin blue? Yeah. It has yeah. a very slight tinge to it, but we've been using it consistently and we don't look like Smurfs. So, no. and I've actually, what you said like, I'm like, are you kidding me? I've got that stuff on the kitchen bench. You know how hard I need to scrub that shit to get it out? <laughs> it's, it's so bad. <laughs> put it on my face. God damn it. Got the white stuff. It's like sinks in. You can't get it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we've been testing that for a little while now and it's awesome. So, Ooh. Yeah, just hopefully we'll be able to launch that soon. I'm pretty pumped about that. It's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, mm. really cool. Anyway, cool. Let, let's crack on and uh, let's talk about um, training. So there was like lots of people had lots of uh, questions. And I think um, oh, I'm just trying to think where to start. Um, I guess if you're a beginner, like if you're someone who I think is totally new to weight training, and you've only got a few dumbbells and a bench at home, you know, just start, just start and do something, you know, you'll probably progress pretty quickly beyond that. But I think for most people, the key is to just start. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, because I, I think people can, procra- women can procrastinate and go, oh, I want to do it perfectly, or I don't have enough equipment. I'm like, just start with what you've got. Yeah. And then you'll get to a point where you want, you'll get stronger and you won't be able to lift any heavier weights or you won't have any heavy weights to lift, Mm. then you'll have to think about joining a gym or getting more equipment. And Craig and I have done a great podcast on setting up a really cheap home gym at home, Mm -hmm. obviously, home gym, home. Um, But, you know, I think because a lot of women say to me, you know, they get on calls and they say, oh, Kitty, I really want to build, you know, have this more muscular physique and build some good good amount of muscle. Um, But I think even if you just, even want to build a normal amount of muscle, you know, you 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 have to progressively overload. So, can you talk quickly about that before we talk about the 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 training? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, there seems to be a bit of a perception, and and you know, like you, you do sort of see this on the, the social medias. You know, people are like, oh, check out my new home. I, I literally saw one today, and that's what made me think of it. Um, you know, some fitness person, I don't know who she was. She was talking about. She's just like, you know. Um, you know, download my new uh, home workout program. All you need is uh, um, some dumbbells or, or some kettlebells, and you can do it. You know, in your lounge room, basically. And 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 the thing is, this particular um, girl, she like she was in great shape. She looked awesome. Like she, you can tell she's got some muscle there, and she's doing you know like those integrated movements where they do a squat and then into like a bicep curl and then into a press, um, which from an overload perspective, if you're using weights to train your legs that you can also bicep curl, those weights are far too light for your legs. But I get it. I get what she was trying to do, but, you know, and sort of just like, just if you're someone who's been a couch potato doing something like that, yeah, yeah. sure. Like that's, 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 you know, a, a fair place to start. But the, 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 the problem is, it's like with a lot of those workouts, they're so based on, the, the kind of like the cardio element that you know the 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 result of like a hard workout is basically how sweaty and how out of breath you are 
you know, and watching the workout, I was like, oh man, it looks hard. She's doing like lunges and then she's doing like, you know, like clean impresses and then she's doing bent over rows into like reverse lunges and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, there's a lot of, a lot of movements and what, lots of stuff going on. But a lot of those movements would be quite advanced for a lot of beginner people. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's just like, like learning how to brace properly before and, and set your pelvis before you step back into a lunge, make sure your torso set. Like there's a number of things that just need to go in for you to execute those movements just to make them safe and efficient for you. But then ultimately from a progressive overload perspective, you're going to need to do so many reps, like like 50 to 100 reps of some of those exercises to even get the, the progressive overload because the weights are so light at, at that point. So it's like, you know, for a, a lot of people who come into our program, we use Recomposer. And basically what I do for, for people that are, who've, you know, got the middle, they're like, oh, I've just got some dumbbells and I just want to be able to train with that. I'm like, yeah, cool, no problem. So I set up a program where I set the percentage at 85%. Now, 85% of a one rep max is equivalent to about six reps. So the, as soon as the person gets their weight and so it's like, okay, I want you to do as many reps as possible, but in the back end, I've set it up to be 85% they end up doing say like 20 reps and let's say they're using like a, you know, like a five kilo dumbbell. Okay. They do like 20 reps and then recomposer goes, Oh, well that weight's obviously very late. We're going to push you up. So next week you've got to use like a 15 kilo dumbbell. And then their re reaction is, well, hang on. It's telling me to use a 15 kilo. I don't have a 15 kilo dumbbell. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what it's telling you to do based off your previous performance. And they're like, yeah, but I don't have that. And I'm like, okay, we'll dial the weight back to the five kilos and you're going to have to do probably about 40 reps to beat that previous thing in order to continue to progressively overload. And they're like, 40 reps, oh, 50 reps. That, that's all. I'm like, yeah, it would be easy if you just went and bought a fucking 15 kilo dumbbell because now you could just do a set of 10, get all of the stimulus you need and not be wasting 10 minutes just to get to 40 reps of a of a dumbbell squat. So it set it up in a way where as if you continually progressively overload and providing that your squat form is good and you're getting to the appropriate depth and with control and good execution. But the reality is if you're, if you're capable of using a 15 kilo dumbbell, why would you bother using anything less? If your goal is to start training in order to start changing your physique and creating a more toned athletic body, well, that toned athletic body is is way more physically capable than what you are now. It's far stronger. It's it's just far more capable. So why would you continue using weight that I've programmed for six reps and you end up doing 15 or 20 reps with? Clearly the weight's way too light. So if you move up to 15 and then you go, oh, I ended up getting 10 reps with the 15 kilo. Why? Well, I, I need you to get six. You've got an extra four reps. It's going to bump you up again to like a 17, 20 kilo dumbbell. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this weight is really, really heavy. And I could barely get the six. I'm like, well, guess what? Now you're actually training appropriately. You're actually training with a weight that's your true capability. So anything beyond this now is actually going to start manifesting that physical transformation that you want. Everything before that was not really doing much of anything apart from just learning the skill and just getting into a groove of it. So basically what I'm saying is, if you've got the small little weights, you need to set it up in a, in a structure where let's say every time you hit 10 reps, you've got to increase your weight. And, but I always want you to do as many reps as possible. 
right? Don't just stop at 10, like do as many reps as possible. If you, if you end up getting 20 reps, well, that's 10 more than, than the limit. That clearly means that the weight that you're, you're using is far too light. So you've got to increase it. If you don't have it, then you have to make a decision. Either I'm going to go out and buy some more or I'm just going to go and join a gym, right? Mm. But continuing just to go, well, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to use these light weights that I've got. Can't you? Can't I just do more sets? No, you fucking can't just do more sets because it doesn't work like that. Have a look around. That's what all of the people in the boot camps are doing. They don't change because they keep lifting these little pissant weights, doing hundreds of reps of fucking nothing that's not stimulating anything. It's a waste of time. Stop <laughs> wasting your time. Bite the bullet. Go and get the heavyweights or go and join the gym. Sorry, ladies. Craig gets a little bit passionate about this. And I think if you're listening to this and, like, you know, there are some women out there, um, you know, like let's say that you've got really young kids, like you've got a newborn baby, you know, like you have to accept, I think, during that season of life, it's not the time, you know, you're probably not going to be able to go to the, unless you have a great husband and you're getting some sleep and you can you can look after your baby. But there will be times in your life, I think, where you just have to accept that maybe that's all you can do. And that's totally fine. But I think if your schedule allows it and you can make it work and you really want to improve your body composition and lose weight and be able to eat more food, then you do have to invest in some more equipment at home or try and think about how you can make a gym work, you know, two to three, at least two to three days a week, I think. Um, Because, you know, there's so many women that I chat to and they say, oh, Kitty, I just want to be able to eat more food. And, you know, I think there's sort of this misconception too around exercise and training, like training to burn calories, but you don't really burn a significant amount of calories when you train. You burn the most of your calories just in everyday life. So your total daily energy expenditure, your resting metabolic rate is like 70% of that. And the best way that you can increase your resting metabolic rate is actually putting on more muscle. You know, so... But the the actual... Uh, act, the, that the actual act of going through a workout is only actually, that only works out to five percent of your total daily energy expenditure. Five. Yeah. It's fuck all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the it's, lowest. It's, it's, it's the lowest. We always talk about this too. It's and I, I can just speak from experience. It's that recovery process. So you know, training places high demands on your muscles and your central nervous system. And you know, you train and it creates these little. You know, you push your body to do more reps than it could do before at a certain weight create these little micro tears um, in the body. Um, And then, you know, that process of repair and recovery of, Mm. you know, those tissues is really energy intensive. You know, you have to replenish your glycogen stores, you know, um, your body's inflamed. So it's repairing that inflammation. Like I always feel like yesterday I did this, you know, that I really pushed hard on the pendulum Mm. and I'm so hungry today. You know, um, my current calories, I'm training, doing three days a week, full body, and I'm eating about 2,800 calories. So, I mean, I, I am quite active. Like I do probably between ten to 15,000 steps a day. Yeah. Um, and I've been consistently doing a recovery session a week since I did a podcast with our friend Libby. You can listen to that and learn more about recovery. And that's been helping with my soreness, which is great because I like to push hard. But I think that's for recovery. That's not to burn calories. So I think, you know, you have to shift your focus on going, I want to train to burn calories too. I want to train to build muscle. I want to train to build my foundation. I want to train to build my resting metabolic rate. Because how great would it be if you could lose that body fat? And once you've lost the body fat, you've got this nice toned look, which is what so many would want, but you can eat more. And maintain that more toned body. Like that, That I think, is one of the reasons why I really like to train hard and I'm strong because I just really like to eat food. (laughs) 
a bit of a foodie at heart. I am a bit of a foodie, and I'm always like, how can I eat the most amount of food possible <laughs> without, you know, being 100 kilos? <laughs> so, 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 look, I think, you know, really think about if, you, if you're serious about this, uh, you know, uh, Try and even like listen to the episode we did about the home gym because it's only three to five k. Save up, invest in it. Doesn't take up that much space. Or I think the best if you can try and um, find a gym. And then again, like we said, if you're a mum with kids and you're really young kids and you're not sleeping or it's you just can't do it, just accept right now is not the time yes. and focus on what you can do and and just obviously um, yeah. you know nourish your body and look after yourself as best as you can. Uh, okay, cool. So we wanted to talk. I'm just going to pull just up. Just as a, a, a really, really close friends of ours, um, they just had their, their second baby uh, in November. So they've got, uh, how old's Darcy? He's, I don't think he's not even two yet. Yeah, so 18 months, maybe? 18 yeah, months. His, birthday, his first birthday, didn't he? Didn't you go to it? Yeah, yeah. So that was last year. Yeah, so he, he, would be, he would be 18 months, barely 18 months. Hmm. And then they've just had um, Cleo back in November. Um and Maria was actually um, one of my old clients. Like her, she's married to my best mate from school, Dad. Daz, the Daz man. Um, but but she was one of my um, uh, first clients when we first opened up the gym. And she, like, we, we did a powerlifting comp. She won a couple of powerlifting comps. She she was an incredible lifter. Just just. Oh, she she did lift like one hundred and sixty kilos or something. Yeah, she, she at the comp. She uh, she squatted one twenty. She benched sixty two and a half, and she deadlifted one sixty at a body weight of 60, 62 kilos. Fuck, that's impressive. Yeah. And she's only yeah, for like what? How long? Eighteen months? No, not even. It was barely twelve months. Barely yeah, 12 months. incredible. Yeah, she was, it was just a bit of a duck to water with her. Um, mm. she was, I've never had anyone make that kind of progress. Um, so I, you know, still kind of pull that card out when I need to. You know. It's all you, wasn't it? It's all me. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. but, but, I mean, you know, there, there, there was a time where, like her and Daz, but very similar, you go to the gym, really look after themselves, you're in great shape, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, they're at a stage now where their life has completely changed, you know, and Daz is a, as a sales rep, so he's sort of on the road a, l- a little bit and he's away, you know, overnight stays and, and you know, various things like that. So, she, you know, she's just got... The two kids at home. Her parents live down here, live down here on the Gold Coast. They're in Brisbane, so it's not super convenient. And you know, like all she can do right now, like she's trying to be diligent with her food, and all she does is just put them in the pram and just do laps yeah, of That's what you can she can you know? do. And, and their gym, they both go to Anytime Fitness, and the, the gym is literally walking distance. It's not far, but they're just the baby won't go to like like say with they're dad. Not, a, not old enough, and, and yeah. Daz is not there and stuff. Like yeah. she's just like, oh, you know, like. Yeah, so just, she, I remember saying she's like, look, I, I just, I try and not look at those old pictures of me when I was powerlifting because yeah, it yeah. kind of brings me down a little bit. But she's like, there's nothing I can do about it now, you know. But obviously, I'm, you know, it's so great to have these kids and whatever. But you know, I've just got to wait a little bit longer until, you know, they're a little bit more self sufficient or whatever, and then they can. Yeah. So if you've only got some dumbbells at home and that's your situation, yeah, you should just do something. Something yeah. is better than nothing, and just. Yes. Not yeah. have your focus on body recomposition yeah. right now. Just yeah. have it on nourishment. Yeah. If, if you're up. in that situation, like trying to go, oh, I, I want to be that version of myself I was five years ago when I didn't have kids. I'm like, well, if you've got two young kids and you just don't have the time, like I totally get it. Like, it, like I mean, we deal with women all the time. Like some situations are just so hard. I'm like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, look, there's not a lot you can do from a physical activity perspective. You know, like let's just try and. 
get food on and try and get some steps in and, you know, like just try and manage your weight, but your actual body composition of what you're envisioning is probably a couple of years away for you at this stage, unfortunately. So I think it's just accepting that sometimes that some people can be a little bit tricky. Cool. All right. So let's just assume that you got that, like you've set up a little home gym that we've got, that we've talked about, that Vic's got, our ops manager, or you can go to a gym. So would you say, Craig, the first... The first thing is to just, you know, decide how many days can I consistently commit to training first? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And don't overshoot the mark because if you've got this five-day-a-week program and you can't yeah. do it, and, yeah. and I think also, too, how long can you commit to? Because yeah. I say that, too, because, you know, I'm doing three days a little bit longer because I just like to have those full days where I don't have to go into training. Whereas our ops manager, um, Vic, so she's got young kids and she drops them off. We're actually going to record a podcast about this. Um, and she has, like, she can train five days but only for half an hour. Yeah. So I think it's about asking yourself, all right, how many days can I train and how long can I commit? Then yep. it's about exercise selection. Would you agree with that? Yep, 100%. Yeah. Okay, yep. cool. All right, so we've established that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just like you, you've just got to be honest with yourself, you know, like you can have the greatest program from insert amazing Instagram influencer here, but if they've set up a, a five-day-a-week program and you can only commit to three, well, the program's completely useless to you. Mm. You have to be honest with yourself. Like, what can I commit to? And how long? At least the next three months. Like, what is my next three months? What can I, what can I 100%? Well, if the answer is, Oh, probably three, but I could probably make four work. Just do three. Just do three. Yeah. Or, or I think it's also it's important to think about the time you can spend in this. Oh, yeah, I might go like like no, 100%. If, yeah. you, if you can do every day, but you've only got a half an hour and you can't do more, then doing Just, something every day perfect. for a half an hour absolutely yeah. makes sense, which is kind of yeah. what we do fix. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's important to, to recognise for sure. Okay, cool. Now would you say the next thing is to is the exercise selection? Yeah. So like would you is it better is it better to focus on or have some of the bigger compound movements in your program? Like talk about the movement patterns, I think. And yeah. you know, like for example, you could just do well bicep curls and lat pull downs, and that's not really going to change your body. No. So- no. So so we think about the movement patterns, right? So we've got a squat movement pattern. So that could be dumbbell squats, could be back squats, it could be Smith machine squats, hack back squats, squats, leg press. Pendulum squat, you yep. know, like the, it's it's the movement pattern, right? And inside that squat movement pattern, you've got the exercise variations, which is the dumbbell squat, the back squat, the pendulum squat, whatever. So you pick the one that you can do, but you want to have a squat movement pattern, right? Then you want to have a hinge movement pattern. And obviously, can I just jump in there quickly? Sorry. No, so no, obviously, I'm on a roll here. Stop fucking. <laughs> but people, this is just thinking about the question. So, but you know, like a dumbbell squat, you can obviously only load a dumbbell squat so far. So, like, you you might be able to get up, like, be pretty fucking hard to hold 30 kilo dumbbells, but even 30 kilos isn't that much. I mean, it's good to start, but once you once you get oh, to look, 30, most people are going to tap out around the 20 kilo dumbbell mark. Yeah, That's so you better, so it's, better it's, just, it's, it's, it's a, a shoulder and bicep weakness at that point, <laughs> just holding the dumbbell up <laughs> near your chin. Where you squat. It's, your legs are usually capable of more. It's just the, the upper body isn't yeah. that strong. So usually at that stage, like, we just use the dumbbell squat as a skill-based movement to get people learning how to brace and create, you know, neutral spine and hip stability and, and how to breathe properly and control the eccentric, the, the, the dumbbell, because it's so anterior loaded, which means 
the weights way out in front of you, it allows you to stay more upright. So it's it's a really good skill development movement, but it, it has a limited utility because most people, it's just like, well, for you to go from a 20 kilo dumbbell to a 30 kilo dumbbell, like it's only 10 kilos, but that kind of strength in your upper body would be, not gonna... six, it would require six months of incline pressing and overhead pressing and all this stuff to get strong. You can do it. So it's not even worth doing after a certain point for most people. So we just go, okay, at this point you can do this. Let's find another movement. So you would, okay. Squat. So probably the main ones then you'd pick, let's say you go back to the gym. So we'll go hack squat, V squat, pendulum mm-hmm. squat, leg yep. press is yep. the main ones. And I think yep. Smith low machine, bar squat. back, yeah, or Smith machine squat. Yep. But I think if you want to free, like, like front squat or low bar back squat or high bar back squat, they're probably yeah. they're probably the exercises that are quite technical, much harder to learn. Yes. So would you say if you're someone who's, you know, not very good at those or you're new to lifting, pick one of the machines? Yeah, no, yeah. 100%, 100%. And generally what happens is sometimes we'll leave the dumbbell squat in just to continue like practicing that skill when we go, okay, that's the skill movement. And now we need an output movement. So like a leg press, everyone can leg press. You sit in the seat, you put your feet on the plate. And, and you can load it up. Down and you mm-hmm. can load it up. So it's just like that way you're still developing the skill, you know, developing the skill of hip stability and core bracing and those sort of things. But then you're actually getting the true stimulus on your legs from the leg press. So that's mm-hmm. you know, one way we do set it up for a lot of people. Okay, so you got the squat. So you got your squat movement pattern. Hinge. Then you want to go to a hinge movement pattern. So a hinge is like your, your deadlift, your remaining deadlift, your stiff leg deadlift, trap bar um, deadlifts. So yep. anything that's loading more of the posterior chain so you don't have much knee bend. So it's more hamstrings, glutes, lower back, mid-back, that sort of thing. So you want to have a hinge movement pattern. Then you want One. to have, uh, yeah, so a single leg movement pattern. Now, the, the, the caveat with single legs is if you're somebody who's got a lot of weight, like if you're you're at a higher body weight, so like 90, 90 plus kilos or something and hasn't done a lot of weights, we usually don't program single legs because there's a quite a big stability component with them. And just when you're obviously you, you've got a lot more weight on you, you just you, you really just don't need to do them. Like a squat and a hinge will be more than enough stimulus for you at that stage. As your know, weight comes down, you start to improve, you know, you get stronger. Absolutely. I think doing a single leg movement is always going to be very beneficial for anyone. Um so a single leg movement pattern, that might be like a, you know, a Bulgarian split squat. It might be your, your lunge variations, single leg press. Um, you know, um, they're all really, really good. Uh, then after that, generally you've got your upper body stuff. So you've got your horizontal pushing movements. So that might be like a bench press, a Smith mm-hmm. press, dumbbell bench press, you know, chest press machine, um, anything like that. Um, then you've got your horizontal pulling movement pattern. So that's like your... Uh, barbell bent over rows or your oh, cable point. rows or one arm dumbbell rows, something like that. Then you've got your incline or vertical pushing movements. So it might be incline press or incline chest press uh, or a, you know, a dumbbell shoulder press. So any incline or overhead, some more vertical pushing movements. And then you've got your vertical pulling movements. So things like lat pull downs, etc. So, You've got all the movement patterns within sight and you just want to include one of those movement patterns and then choose the exercise variation that you would prefer to do within inside those movement patterns. And then basically you just want to try and set it up where you have a frequency of twice per week. So if you could only train full body two days per week, uh, so you could only train uh, two days per week, then you would set it up in a full body split. So you'd have 
a variation of a squat on one day and a different variation of a squat on another day, a variation of a hinge, a variation. You would just literally set it up like that. You have workout A, workout B, you just rotate through that. If you can train three days per week, but then obviously you continue to do a full body or you could do like an, an upper, lower full body. So it's sort of, you're still getting the frequency of two times per week, but it's just a slightly different structure. So I, you know, and, and then if you train four days a week, well, I will, but you basically just want to set it up. If you're hitting a muscle group twice per week, you know, when we see a lot of the, the literature these days, frequency generally tends to work best for most people. So include one, one of each of the movement pattern twice per week, and then you're good to go. Yeah. And so say, you know, like um, with Vic, she's doing five days, yep. you know, in half an hour short sessions. How is her program set up? Uh, so hers is uh, uh, lower body, upper body, lower body, upper body, uh, uh, delts and arms, I think. Mm-hmm. Some, something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like that. But basically on her lower body day, uh, I think that the first day she does um, two sets of two sets of leg curls, two sets of Smith hack squats, and that's it. Yep. And then the next day she does uh, two sets of Smith press, two sets of lat pull downs, uh, two sets of shoulder press, and then some arms. And then the next day, the lower body day, she does two sets of deadlifts, two sets of leg extensions, and then the next day she does two sets of uh shoulder presses two sets of cable rows two sets of lateral raises and some arms and then the next day she does another overhead press redelt mm-hmm. whatever so it, it's it's a little bit of a weird structure but when when you step back and look at it you can go oh she's hitting all those muscle groups twice a week that's basically mm-hmm. what it works yeah. out yeah now what about this is a question i often get women um ask me and they're like oh i'm doing like four sets of 10 like you, you've always you know, for long, pretty much as long as I know you got like two sets to failure and you work in some, um, like what, why do you believe that two sets to failure you're doing say four sets of fixed reps of 10? Why is that better? Well, you probably record a podcast on this on its own really. Um, well, well, so, so basically like what, what, why 10 and why four sets? Well, not even that, like, you know, people like to just do fixed reps, like they might do three sets, four sets and just yeah, so, 10 but that's, that's more, the question. You know. They're like, I'm just going to do four sets of 10. Okay, cool. So um, very briefly, so muscle growth happens as a result of mechanical tension. Mechanical tension is where you're taking a weight within one to two reps or at failure. So you're really, really close to failure. So we basically what we know is, say if you're doing a set of 10, and the 10th rep is like your absolute final rep. There's no way you'd be able to get an 11th rep under any circumstances. Pretty much reps one through two, six are not doing anything, right? They're not, they're not doing it. They're basically just your, your uh, the motor units are, are just working with muscle fibers. And then they get to the point where all of those initial ones fatigue out and your high threshold motor units need to come in and start working in order to finish the rep off. And it's those high threshold motor units uh, are the ones that have the, the, the biggest propensity for growth, right? So they will only activate when you get close to or at failure. So this is why kind of doing rep, sets of like 20 or 30 reps is just instant, it's just a complete waste of energy because the first 16 reps of the 20 rep set are not doing anything. Like it's, it's literally just a waste of time. So what we know is they only come when you're actually training to true failure. Now, 
if you're doing four sets of 10 with the same weight, that means that you're massively undershooting your capability and the first three sets are probably not doing anything because you can do four sets of 10 reps, right? If I did a hard set of 10, there's no way that I would get another set of 10, especially with the same weight. If I wanted to, to get another set of 10, I would need to significantly drop the weight. But that's based on the fact that that first set was all out to the point of pretty much near failure at that point, right? So for, so for me, and it depends on the exercises, but generally if you've, if you've got the capability of doing four sets of 10, oh man, boy, but you'll be massively needing to drop your weight each and every set. And then by that point, it's just the, the, the productivity of a particular exercise just massively goes out of the window, yeah, massively goes out the window. However, it does make sense in some cases, and this is how we kind of used to do it, that doing multiple sets for people who are doing skill-based movements, so like barbell back squats, barbell deadlifts, barbell bench presses, all the, all the movements that require a bit of skill, that doing multiple sets of sub-maximal efforts helps generate the skill quicker. So if you suck at squats, doing more sets of squats is essentially practicing that skill for, long, for a longer period of time. So the more you practice anything, the better you get at it. So purely from a skill development perspective, yeah, absolutely. If you're a beginner, it absolutely makes sense to be doing multiple sets of sub-maximal efforts where you're not, because also as you get closer to failure, your the fatigue level massively increases and your skill level will drop off, right? So it does require you to have a good skill and be able to maintain that good form under that kind of, uh, you know, under that kind of load for that many reps, et cetera. So, you know, that's why those skill-based movements like that kind of make sense. But things like we were saying at the start of the podcast, like the pendulum, like it's impossible for you to do a bad rep on that thing, the way that it's set up. And it just massively loads your quads so much. The stimulus is really, really high. So you don't need to practice the skill so much. You know, I know some people who go, you know, at the start of a new training block, they'll do lots of sets just to get acclimated to the movement and just kind of build up some kind of conditioning to it. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I've never ever done it. You've never, never done it. I don't think you need to do it. If, if you want to do it, cool. But the reality is I'm always a big believer that for most people, and this is just what I've seen with, you know, the vast majority of our clients is that two hard sets is what, people have in terms of their mental capability for a particular exercise anything after two sets they're sort of like oh man do another set of this really like and then i've still got to do all these other ones they just get bored in their their intensity and effort level towards that particular exercise just massively drops off and i can see it in the numbers in their training numbers like you can see it like that and then all of a sudden there's this massive decrease in the weight they use and the reps they actually get and then sometimes when I actually see the video, I'm just like, oh man, that was just a waste of time, like literally a waste of energy. But we know mechanical tension, the maximum amount of mechanical tension you can get from any exercise can be achieved from one set. And doing a, a second set where you drop the weight down and maybe do some higher reps is going to um, build on the metabolic stress, which is the other component of muscle growth. So mechanical tension is like 80% of the equation. Metabolic stress is kind of the, the remaining 20%. The muscle damage part is very minimal. I think that's just a byproduct of those two. 
but the the metabolic stress element is that and that's generally going to get from you know just doing lots of reps and creating that you know uh, metabolite buildup you know that kind of lactic acid sort of buildup so there is growth factors to that but once you've done that on a second set like doing any more of that particular exercise just doesn't make any sense well, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying you can't do multiple sets. There's lots of people out there that do. I'm just saying, from what I've seen and the way I prefer to program for most people, one one heavy top set, so one with the like back offset at a higher rep range, both pushed to um, uh, as close to failure as possible, is all you need. Be done with that exercise. Move on to the next exercise. So with the rep range, so so for the like. Um like the bigger compound movements, yeah. you would say six to nine. So, yeah, that's, that's you, when, how so yeah. when you get to nine, then you'd increase the weight and start and get yeah. minimum six again until you get to nine and then you'd keep going yeah. like that. And then that's with the right. second set, you do 10 to 13. But what about on some of the, because I know on some of like biceps, you know, triceps, lat pull downs, rows, like, you know, like cable rows and stuff, like you might push that rep range yeah. up. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can do, oh, like just like, well, 10 to 13 is perfectly fine. Yeah, for the do first. Yeah, yeah then- usually because like most people, that I mean, you can still do a heavy set of six on bicep curls. There seems to yeah. be this kind of thing where people go, oh, you don't want to do that because you're in yourself. I'm like, what do you mean you're fucking it? You won't fuck. It, unless you, you pick up a weight where you're like, oh, I'm going to do this for six and you can't even do it for one. Yeah, but you would you would potentially hurt yourself with any exercise doing that. You know, that's, that's just silly. Mm. But you, you can absolutely do a hard set of six six, seven or eight reps on a set of bicep curls. The problem is, is that at a, you will hit your the end of the runway for that particular exercise and what you can progress much quicker because it's the reality is most women are not going to get past, say, 12 and a half kilos for incline dumbbell curls. So like you're in the stretch position, you know, doing 12, even 12 and a half kilos. Your weights jump up so much too, like two and a half kilos. So much, yeah, like it's, it's at that, at that particular, you know, like it's, it's like a literally like a 30 or 40% increase, mm. you know? So, so it makes sense. It's just like, well, look, you're not really going to be able to progress the loads that much. So therefore doing kind of heavier, uh, sorry, um, lighter loads for more reps and extending that rep range out. So you might do the rep range between 10 and 20. So it's like do a set where you fail at 10, Okay, next week I'm going to try and get 11. Then the next week I'm going to get 12. And then 13, and then 14, and 15. And just keep building up the reps. Once you get to 20, that two and a half kilo jump from seven and a half kilo dumbbells up to 10 probably makes a little bit more sense then. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just got to extend that rep range out. But, but the other thing too is with bicep curls, triceps, side delts and stuff, you can train them a lot more frequently. <laughs> I, I, I will train them four times a week. Right. So I'll do, I'll just do two sets, but I will train them four times a week because they're easy just to add on at the end. One of the days I actually do them first because it's a weak body part. I want to have huge arms. You know what I'm saying? So I think, Craig, if you're a woman who's limited with time, you're probably not going to do a million sets of. Oh, obviously. So that's what I'm saying. Like it probably makes sense to you to just extend that rep range literally like anything above 30 reps is is not doing anything i mean we, we would generally above 20 yeah i don't ever do any more anything than 20. above 20 no no exactly so i think just going like okay 20 is the limit mm. once you get to 20 reps increase your weight yep. and just use that as a rough rule of thumb and, and that's just obviously for the smaller exercises yes yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um okay cool okay now just with the um quick question people ask me like training to failure you know like people like oh it's 
you know, should you train to failure? And I think one thing that I always hear you say is that um, I think until you've truly learned to train to failure, and I don't know if you talked about some studies or something like when, you know, untrained, like intermediate or beginner lifters, when they, you know, are thinking that they're training to failure, they've actually got five or six reps left in the tank. Yes. So they, they, like they're showing a number of studies and that's generally the case. Yeah, okay, so until you're actually an advanced lifter or like pretty advanced and you know how to train to true, true failure, should you just do as many reps as possible till you fail with good technical, like till your form breaks down and you can't right. do it with good standardized form? Yep, absolutely, yep. 100%. Yeah, I just don't, don't, don't leave three in the tank, don't leave two, don't leave one, just keep going until you've reached that. Even with failure. some of my advanced clients, the only time we would do some reps in reserve is when they're, um, they're just coming back from a deload, you know, so we, we kind of just ease in that first week. We don't want them, you know, you're pushing really, really hard. We just want that the first week to be easy, the second week to be a little bit harder, the third week to be a little bit harder again. And then generally around that fourth week is like, okay, we're, we're going, you know, absolutely ham and try and get at least another six or seven weeks of really, really hard training mm. um, before we need to deload again. Um, but it just, the, the reality is like, there's just no point trying to work out where you think your two reps in reserve is or three reps in reserve. Like, but, but it, it takes a long time to do that. And I think it's just, it's just easy from a mental perspective when you're going into your training to just kind of go, here's my numbers from last week. I know I'd push them as hard as I possibly can. And I couldn't have got any more. If I then this week beat those, get an extra one or two reps, then I know black and white that I've progressed because last week I based it on the fact that I was doing as many reps as possible. This week I've done as many reps as possible, genuinely as many reps as possible, and I've got a two extra reps. That's black and white. That's progression. Mm. When you start kind of going, oh, this week I'm keeping three in the tank and then the next week I'm going to two in the tank and then, then I'll increase the weight, but I'll keep another two reps in the tank and then I'll try and get one in rep and then I'll increase the weight and then I'll try and get too confusing, too hard. Like it's too complicated. Mm. Do as many reps as possible with really good standardized form and just logbook all of your numbers, how much weight and how much reps you did. And then just go in there and just try to just try to beat those numbers. And over time, like just obviously you try right. and just, just get better at the execution. It'll just get better and better the more and more you do it. Mm -hmm. But I think having those objective numbers there to know exactly what you need to be doing is just really, really important. And, you know, certainly something that you can look at, say at, at, at the end of like a 12 week mark or something. It's like, well, how, how much have I actually added to the bar? How many extra reps have I actually got? You know, and if it's significant, then you should be able to see that in your physique, providing that you've been pretty diligent with your nutrition. Um, and then if you're not, then you've just got to look at your training and kind of go, why well, am I really training hard enough? And what's my execution like? You know, there'll always be a reason why things are not progressing. And it's usually very, very easy to kind of recognize. Um, but I think just really, really taking the execution of each movement as seriously as possible so you can get the most out of that movement from a stimulus perspective. And then as long as your effort's there and you're pushing it further, like that's where the muscle's going to grow. So just do as many reps as possible with good standardized form. Mm. Awesome. Okay, cool. Now we'll just quickly go through the questions that people have asked. Um, can you speak about feeling extreme exhaustion um, when starting strength training? I guess if you probably, it's hard, hard to give you advice about working with you, but if you're really exhausted, you know, you maybe you're not fueling enough, yeah. well enough, 
you know. Yes. So there's a few few things to that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think you're obviously understanding like where you are in terms of like your your current metabolic status, and then you know what your sleep is like generally, and you know if you've got any big stresses in your life. Um, So you know, got to take that consideration. I think looking at your your pre interim workout nutrition is is quite important. I, I find. You know, while a lot of people are hitting their macros and planning out their food like well enough throughout the day, they're not putting enough emphasis on the nutrition before and after the workouts. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, but I train at this time and usually around this time I have this afternoon snack where I just have some fruit and cheese. I'm like, that's not going to cut it if you've just gone and lift weights. You're going to, you generally want to bias a bit more of your calories, especially from carbohydrates, to being kind of pre and post workout to help you know, energetically get you through the workout, but actually assist with uh, the recovery uh, process as quickly as possible. And then after that, you then just got to look at it um, from, from what you're doing from a training perspective. Like if you're, you're somebody who just hasn't been doing much of anything for a while, like you only need three or four working sets in a session and that, that should be it. You know, like if you, um, for some people, like if they're only training two days a week, it's, and they've only got half an hour and that's all they're capable of doing. I'm like, okay, well, look, you know, if you're a beginner, that's going to be able to serve you for a while. So we've just got to try and maximize that. But reality is I would just go two, two sets of squat movements, two sets of hinges, two sets of push, two sets of pull. So you might only do say like eight working sets in that session and then eight working sets in the next session, which you could easily get done in 20 to 30 minutes. And that, that should be all you do. If then you're like, oh, I'm feeling super, super wrecked from that. Then, you know, generally I'm like, well, can you train, can you add in like a third or fourth day and we make it even shorter? We literally cut it in half. So we go the first four sets on one day, the other four sets on the next day. Mm. The next session, the first four sets on one day, the next four sessions on, on that day. And then we just kind of test. So now that we've increased the frequency, but we've spread the volume out over a greater amount of time, that might be enough to just allow you to recover because it, you, you, it's not as intense in one go. So obviously just looking at the volume, the amount of work that you're doing in the session, like if you're like, oh my God, I'm super sore and I'm super worn out. I'm like, well, you've probably just done a little bit too much. Cut it in half, reduce it by 50%. Do it again for the next week, see what your recovery is like. It's like, oh no, I feel good. Okay, cool. Sit there for a couple of weeks, really start to own that. Then add like one set. Don't add like multiple sets of anything. Just just add one set, like one set to day one, one set to day two, one set to day three. That that's you know that's a twenty percent increase in volume over a week. That's you you will feel that, right? And it's just kind of playing that kind of Tetris game a little bit over time, where you're better off starting very conservatively, mm. trying to look at it over like a six week period. It's like okay, in six weeks I want to be able to handle maybe you know six or seven, eight working sets per session, three times a week. Okay, cool. Start with three sets, mm. three times a week, and then go to four and then go to five and just slowly build up like that. Mm. Um, best home workouts online. I mean, I think from what we know, like our friend Libby has a, a low-end membership. She does, she would do good home workouts. Yep. Uh, it's like, I think, 47 bucks a US a month. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, if you joined our coaching program, we could pro- program something for you. You know, yeah. anything that's going to allow you to progressively overload, and and you don't need to be doing lots of work, and you don't need to be adding in like, 
you know, m metabolic conditioning workouts where you're like, oh, okay, I've got to now I've got to do like 50 ball slams or burpees or any of that crap. Like any any workout that's got that shit in it, don't bother because it's it's not contributing to your physique. It's it's contributing to your fatigue levels. Mm. But the other when we're we're being specific about changing body blah, body composition and growing muscle, mm. it's just about that the the exercises that you're doing and the progressive overload. You don't need to do a lot, all right? You would be better, as I said before, doing three or four hard working sets of, of, of a few of the movement patterns, and then try and aim to get ten thousand eight or eight to ten thousand steps per day every day. If you can do that and dial in your nutrition, you, you'll get a far better result without kicking the crap out of yourself. Mm. So just look at it. If they're going to get you to do all this weird and wonderful shit, don't bother. Advice for someone who has a slipped disc resulting in chronic nerve damage. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's a bit of a tricky one. Um, it depends on the severity and the, and, and the pain that, that, that you're sort of in. Again, when we when we're looking at what's going to serve you in the long term, um, which is protecting that area, having more muscle is always going to be the thing that's that's going to be better. So, you know, again, we've got to look at the movement patterns, a squat movement pattern, a hinge movement pattern, and doing some, you know, like just some like actual core work, like planks and side planks, where you're just doing um, isometric uh, contractions. And holding them and building up the time of those, like anything you can do to put yourself in a position to allow, and, and certainly from a back issue, a lot of the time people get those back issues made worse because when they're doing, say, like a squat, they don't have a neutral pelvis, they're not breathing and bracing properly, and they're not creating the prerequisite hip stability to put themselves in a position where the musculature can actually do the work, mm. right? This is where a lot of people with the problems. They're doing movements where they're not putting their muscles in a position like like the muscles around the pelvis, so like all of your, your hip stabilizers and your glutes, for example, you're not putting them in a position for them to actually fire correctly. So this mm -hmm. is why like a lot of therapists will just go, oh, your glutes don't work. It's like, of course your fucking glutes work. They, they work. You walk around all the time, right? If you squeeze them, you can feel them. It's just about putting yourself in a position, maintaining your neutral pelvis during those movement patterns to allow those muscles to actually do their job. So I, I think... Again, nothing really needs to change. You don't really need to do a lot of specific stuff. What I've done with some clients before is, is just program some planks and side planks first, and then I'll get them to do some really slow tempo squats, you know, like a like a three-second eccentric, so one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, pause, maintain the brace, come back up, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, pause, take a breath, go again, and just creating that really good, stable movement pattern and if you do that and progressively just add weights a little bit slower over time you'll probably find a lot of those issues will start to fix themselves because you're you're you're, you're doing these primal movement patterns but you're building up the musculature around that to create the stability to keep your spine and you know that mm -hmm. nerve issues intact you know getting weaker is not going to be you know and this is what one of my biggest gripes, yeah, all the therapists are like, you need to stop lifting weights. You need to stop, you know, just get out and walk and don't do anything. When I'm like, well, that's not going to help you. Like you're only making the area around the issue weaker. Like what happens if you actually need to do something? Oh, there's a fire in the house and I need to get outside. Like you don't even be capable of doing anything. So you have to find a way to get strong. Like strength is never, ever a weakness. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Next question. I want to do my first ever pull up. I'm strong, but it's humbling me. Where do I start? Yeah, I think we did a uh, a reel, reel on this. Reel yeah. On how to progress yeah. your year? Yeah. So you start Come with the, get the Smith machine, don't you? Start the Smith machine. Yeah. So you do uh, you do rack chin. So basically, that's just where you you we you can do it on Smith, but we did it on the Smith machine. But you can just do it on a barbell. You set the barbell out to rack, so that you're sitting on the ground, but you're in a full stretch position. And then you just you lock, lock everything down and then you just do a chin-up and you use your feet to help kind of boost you up to get to do that chin-up movement. And then once you can kind of do that, you know, say, say for like, you know, a couple of sets of 10, and then you want to do it where you put your, you have your feet elevated. So you put your feet up on a bench. And then so it's basically you've actually got to lift legitimately half your body at the stage, do the same thing. So you're still sitting on the ground, but feet are up on the bench, grab the bar, do the chin-up. And then once you can kind of do that, then you progress to doing banded chin-ups. So put a, a resistance band around the bar. Start with the thickest band first, which is usually like the blue band. You know, have a bench there so you can step up onto the bench, put your foot into the band, stretches it down, get into the chin-up position and actually start doing chin-ups with the stretch support from the band. And then work your way through the different band resistance. So the blue band is the thickest, then it goes to the green which is a bit thinner and then the purple which is a bit thinner and then the black and then you've got the red band which is super thin which is not really doing anything at that stage if you can progress down to the red band you could probably then be able to manage a couple of chips on your own so um yeah I don't, I, when did we do that that was probably mid last year well, we a while back in the real yeah. scroll back through the feed but it but yeah. it's, that's basically what it is so if you can scroll back through the feed you'll you'll find it there but yeah that's that's how you want to do it I think I might be doing junk volume. How do I know for sure to avoid it? Let's say probably if you're doing like multiple sets of fixed reps. Yeah, so just yeah. so people understand what that what that term yeah. junk volume is. So basically what I was saying before about the whole four sets of 10, if you can if if you can do a set of 10 with the same weight after four sets, then those first three sets would be considered junk volume because they're not actually stimulating any mechanical tension that's that has any productivity towards muscle growth. So junk volume is basically where you're just doing stuff in a workout program, but you're not actually training it in a way that's taking it to true failure to actually activate those high threshold motor units. You know, so I see a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to do these banded glute walks because I can really feel feel it in my glutes. And I'm like, what you're feeling is a sensation, not mechanical tension, right? Like if I sit here and I do like a like a bench press, like I'm pretending like I'm doing a bench and I squeeze my pec muscles really tightly and I slowly extend out my triceps, I can feel sensation in my pecs and in my triceps. Does that mean my chest and triceps are going to grow from that? No, absolutely not. They need the external load to create that mechanical tension to actually bring in those high threshold movements. So anything that's not actually taking you to true muscular failure, uh, you know, is is basically considered junk volume. Okay. Um, I so, feel good when I do not progress or maybe decrease a bit. Should I progress every single session? That's a really good question, actually. Yeah, so just no, um, no, hey, like there's lots of times. Sometimes I'll go in and just do the same weight, or if I'm, you know, like you know, sometimes you might have a good yeah. sleep, or yeah. you know, after a deload, you'll pull the weights back. Yeah, I think it's unrealistic to to think that say over like a 
um, a mesocycle that's going from like eight to 12 weeks, right? Every week you're trying to progressively. I think it's probably a little bit unrealistic to think that you could progressively overload every set of every session for an eight to 12 week period. There's going to be times where you just don't because of what Kitty said, maybe you sleep or your hydration levels are there. Sometimes psychologically, you're just not there. You've got other stresses happening. Maybe a little bit under recovered. Maybe you really pushed it hard in that previous session and that's kind of, you know, lingered over into your next session. And so therefore you, you just, you don't have the oomph to really uh, kind of break through the, the, the barrier. So that there's a number of reasons. And I think that's part of the whole longevity in training is that you have to look, if you really want to build an awesome physique, like it's, it's three to five years, you know, and all the people, like if you see anyone with a really awesome physique, you ask them, they go, oh, I've been doing this for like 10, 10 years, man. You know, like, like you've been doing this for like 10 years now. Like it, like, it's just, it's, it's something that happens really, really slowly. And you have to accept that there's just going to be times where you don't progress and there's times where you're going to get sick and then you're going to come back to training and your strength has really dropped off and it's going to take you two, three or four weeks just to get back to where you were before you got sick. Then after that, like, like, so you've got to look at your training progress, say like even over like a 12 month period and just go, look, there's going to be periods here where I'm not going to progress. But as long as I'm making more progress over that long term than I do losses, well, then I'm going to be improving on my physique. So I, I think it's just important to just take the ebbs and flows as they are and, um, yeah, try and progress. This, this isn't a question, but I feel like this is linked to that and this is something that I get asked a lot on Instagram. So, um, you know, I've been training for, what, nine years consistently now um, yeah. and often women will say, oh, Kitty, like, well, because I really enjoy continuing to try to get stronger and progress and challenging myself. Um, and they will say to me, oh, you know, do you have to always try and get stronger and always progress? Like, is that is that the only way that you can stay in shape? Um, and no, no, you don't have to keep progressing. Like once you build the amount of muscle that you want, like let's say you get to, you train for a couple of years and you get stronger and you go, okay, cool. I'm happy with the amount of muscle I've got. And I'm really happy with my physique to maintain it what's how much you, you actually have to do you can do less volume um and you just have to maintain those lifts so let's yes. just gonna make some numbers up so let's say you got your physique to where you want it and you could deadlift 100 kilos for five reps so as long yes. as you can continue to deadlift 100 kilos for five reps and how much less volume can you you can train less hey to sustain it yeah it's about a third of the volume that takes to build Crazy. it to maintain it on about a third yeah yeah, wow. Yeah. So like that really, really, you know, like how amazing that you could spend a year and a half and say you got to where you want to be and you're like, okay, great. I'm happy now. You could train way less and you just have to maintain your lifts to maintain. Yeah. Like it's amazing. The reason that I train so hard is because I just enjoy it. I just really enjoy progression. I think that's just my pet with our business, my training. Obviously my progress is slow now. My muscle growth, I've got a lot of muscle and it's slow, um, but I just really enjoy pushing hard and trying to make progress. But you don't have to do that. Like yeah. you don't have to do it as hard and as heavy as for as long as I've done it. I just enjoy the challenge. Yeah. 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 I mean, you got to do what you love. And I think, yeah. you know, if, if you're somebody who wants this physique, then it's a sort of like, look, you need to just go hard for – 12 to 18 months, probably two years to, to just, you know, build a really good foundation. And once that's built, 
Yeah, it's not. And, and like, then it's it's really easy to maintain that. But you've, I mean, you've got to you've got to put the work in. Yeah. For that time. Yeah. Like, I interviewed uh, one of our clients, a great podcast. Go back and listen to it. She's in her fifties now, Leanne, and she, yeah. I think she was in the program for twelve months, and she said she trained consistently for four days a week, built the foundation for eighteen months, yeah. and she said now she just trains two days a week, full body, and just yeah. maintains it. She's happy. She's like, I'm happy with the amount of muscle I've got. You yeah, know, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to have these, you know, you don't have to want to look like me or have the amount of muscle or be as strong as I am. I just enjoy it. But you probably have to get a fair bit stronger than you are now to get the body composition that you want. But then again, it's like you can just take it as far as you want or you can pull up stumps and go, sweet, I'm done, I'm good. But it's pretty addictive, I think, you know. Yeah, (laughs) but don't worry. You don't have to be lifting as heavy and as hard as me. Um, So what's the best way to decide what weight to start with? Well, okay, so so for example, I've just come back uh, this week from uh, a bit of a deload. I had a bit of food poisoning the other week and whatever. So it's sort of been, you know, a couple of weeks since I've uh, been in the gym. Uh, and I've sort of, you know, used this opportunity of, you know, the, the program that I was doing was, you know, I've been pretty much doing it for 12 months. I was like, oh, I want to go over to this other gym and I want to use the pendulum. And while I was over there, I was like, oh, they've actually got some pretty cool pieces of equipment that I like to use here. So, you know, I've, I've structured my program, you know, to kind of incorporate them on, on the various days. Um, so this week I'm literally just going in and I'm just on on each of the uh, the exercises that I'm doing. I'm just doing a few warm-up sets and just getting a rough feel and just going, yep, this, this weight here seems pretty good. All right, I'm just going to do, you know, as well, when I say as many reps as possible, just as many reps until I really feel like it, the, the reps are starting to slow down, which is probably around about three reps short of probably true failure. And that's totally fine in the first week. And I just rack it up and I just record the weight and the reps that I got. Do, do my second set on it, record the weights, record the reps, and then move on to the next exercise. And so this whole week is literally just about data gathering and just establishing baselines for each and every exercise. Right. And then when I come in next week, I'll have all these baseline numbers and I go, right. Okay. So I wanted to basically for all of my top sets be working in the six to the nine rep range. Last week, I got 14 reps on this particular exercise. So therefore, I know, and this is actually why Recompose is really cool because it'll basically tell me, I was like, well, if you want to find your six rep max, this is the weight that you're going to use based off that performance that you did last week, which is really, really cool, really, really handy in these situations. So I'm like, okay, cool put the weight on, do my warm-ups, and then do as many as I can, record it, and then I just let let it build on the next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. So I think the the, the message is whenever you're starting, if you're new to new to, to weights or whatever, just pick weights that feel comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Do do as many reps where your form feels good and kind of what feels challenging. You don't need to bust your ass in the first week. You don't even really need to bust your ass on the second week. Just like let the momentum and 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 the the, the neurological adaptation. So just developing the skill and getting used to the structure of the workout that you're doing. Just let that happen for a couple of weeks. You don't need to set the world on fire. Just start with a weight that feels comfortable. Do as many reps as feels comfortable and just make sure you record the weight and reps. And then basically what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, you'll build on those, you'll add a bit of weight, add some more reps, et cetera, et cetera. And then hopefully, like for me, probably by about week four, is when I'll really hit the threshold of where where I'm at and in, where I'm truly at in terms of my overall strength. 
and then I know anything after that, I'm really going to be pushing hard to then, you know, build upon that. So just start conservatively, let it build up. What do you suggest after doing our seven-day challenge? Well, obviously, join our coaching program. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you're serious about you know, <laughs> taking it to the next level and, and actually understanding this whole process a lot more in depth and also have the accountability and, and continue to educate yourself on, on how this whole process is going to work for you specifically, yeah, then absolutely make join our we work with one of our coaches. I think you've got to join some like, I mean, unless you're going to put the time and effort into learning how to program, you have to find some sort of online program or some, yeah. some workout program yeah. to follow. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I mean, our, our program is based off the last 10 years of me doing what I've been doing and learning of the various people that I've, I've learned off, you know, we've interviewed quite a few of them on the, the mm. podcast, whether it's training or it's nutrition and whatever, like all mm. of this bought into our program and what all of our coaches sort of run through. So, you know, it's, it's while it's a coaching program, it's very much an educational process as well. And the way we set up our membership site with all the, you know, tutorials and lessons and. Mm. Um, how long can you keep going once you've hit PBs, especially after you've hit your goals? I'm not really sure I understand that question. I think if you're asking how long will you can continue to PB, I'm like, I don't know. How long can you continue yeah. to PB? Obviously, the more advanced yes. you get, like it it's, it takes longer yes. and it's that much smaller progression. Yes. So, yeah. Well, there are some some general strength standards that I'll, mm. I'll lay out to people when they sort of ask questions of like, well, how much do I need to lift in order to look a certain way? And often I'll just go, well, well Kitty looks a certain way because she is capable of, you know, squatting this much or, you know, deadlifting this much or RDLing this much or doing this many chin-ups or this many dips or this this uh, heavy on dumbbell presses, like, mm. and then usually it's sort of like the eyes sort of light up and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm nowhere near that. And I'm like, well, obviously that's why you don't look like key, right? But if you start to bridge that gap, then you're going to start to look more like that version um, than what you do now. So, you know, the, the, I guess the answer is always more. <laughs> but it's it's relative to you know how far you want to take it and how, how far you want to continue to go. Once you get to a certain point, like progress is very slow. You know, after you after two years of serious dedication, like progress comes very slow after that. So uh when you train but your appetite is like you're a teen eating pot brownies, can we talk about that? I think what you mean, I think what she's saying is like when you're training hard, your appetite's increased, which yes. we've talked about because the recovery process. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm hungry today. I'm like looking at yeah. oh, it's nearly taco time. Come on, I'm starving. <laughs> when is taco the best Tuesdays. Okay. Yeah. Tacos every day. I'm just obsessed yeah. with Mexican at the moment, aren't I? Yeah, How good right. are those little pizza things I made today? Fuck, they oh, were good. Unbelievable. I made these incredible like mini uh, spicy barbecue um, pizzas but used the, the, the corn tortillas. Mm. Oh, the bomb. That was so simple. I'm making a reel. I'll release it. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. We'll have them again. Um, when is the best time to eat around training and what macro should we be eating? When is the best time to eat around training? Yeah. So pre, we've yeah. actually done a, a podcast episode specifically on this. So scroll back and find it. But would you say you want to be eating like a, like a decent meal an hour or two before training? I think it, it's it, would, it, it depends. Like yeah. I've got some clients who who train at five a.m. You know, and they yeah. get out of bed at four thirty, so their 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 pre workout meal needs to be 
something that's going to be quick digesting and not too heavy, you know, and they might have an intra workout, you know, shake where they're having some juice and coconut water and some cyclic dextrin, you know, salt, and protein, something like that. And then post workout, they'll have an even bigger, you know, that's where they might have like a, a big protein source with lots of starchy carb plus mm. um, simple sugars as well, like fruit and that sort of thing. So I, I think it always makes sense to have, you know, a, a, a decent amount of your, certainly your carbohydrates pre and post workout. So throughout the day. So I think, you know, if you're not time poor, it depends on what you want to eat. But like I said, I've got some clients that are literally eating half an hour before they train. Ideally, if you're having a bigger meal, you know, maybe an hour beforehand would be, would be good. Yeah, it depends then, on how big it is, isn't it? Depends how big it yeah, is. Like yeah. I have like, cause I only have four meals and then I have like, I drink during training, so I usually try and eat two hours before I train because my meal is pretty decent, like six, seven hundred calories or something. And then I have a drink, which is I just I actually don't even put any protein in it anymore. I just have juice, coconut water, cyclic dextrin, and heap of salt. We um, don't really need to as an energy need. drink because you've, you've yeah. got if you're having a decent protein serve before and after, yeah, those amino acids are still going to be floating around in your bloodstream during yeah. that time anyway. So you just all you need is more energy. Energy. Yeah, to help with the recovery process. So that's what you're doing from the carbohydrate perspective. So mm. Mm. Um, if I only have time to train three days a week, should I do full body? Yeah, full body is a great split. Like I'm a huge <laughs> fan of it. It's it's a hard way to train, but I think it's really, really effective. You sort of get um, used to it though. Hey? I was a bit when I went, because I haven't done three-day full body for ages, like years. Mm. And the first day I was like, did the, you know, train hard. The first session I went to my like, oh, I'm, like I'm so fucked. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely but, a hard But then you get conditioned to it and you're like, okay, like it's mm-hmm. not so hard after a few weeks. Yeah. So I think um, three days full body is really good. Um, mm. Another great split is a, is a lower body, upper body, full body mm. um, split. Um, that's that's a, a split that we use quite regularly with a lot of people. Um, you can also do an upper lower split, but you, you do it over four sessions. So you go upper, lower, upper. Mm. And then the next week you'd start with upper, lower, upper. And then the week after that, you go lower, upper, lower. So you're just rolling over that extra day for the start of the next week. You can do that. Um, that works fine if, you, if you're training well. So look, r- really at the end of the day, any split will work as long as you execute it and train it well enough. So pick one that you're going to enjoy doing, I think is probably the best way to answer that. Cool. Um, can you talk about fewer longer sessions versus more frequent sessions which we've already discussed so we can yeah. skip that question? Um, I'm having difficulties with my deadlifts. Always irritates my right hip and sacrum. Any tips? Um, well, you, you need to be making sure that your your position that you're setting up is, you know, optimal for the, the appropriate um stability and bracing requirement for a deadlift movement so without kind of seeing it it's sort of hard for me to comment on it but the reality is any movement shouldn't cause issues you know if it is causing issues there's obviously a pre-existing injury there or the way you're doing it is causing those issues so um you know i i would try and find someone who knows what they're talking about to kind of assess your, your deadlift see a video of it or see you do it in person and then see if they can break down where you're potentially going wrong. Sometimes there might be a bit of an underlying issue there. Like we've had clients that we send to our, our friend Jim Bostock, who's a dry needle therapist, and it's sort of even after yeah, one specialist. Yeah, breaking down the deadlift and sort of looking at everything. I'm like, everything looks really, really good. 
they've just got this nerve lock there that just sets off when they hit a sort of certain weight threshold with with the, the lift. And there's nothing that we can do at that point in order then for them to overcome that. They just need to go and see Jim and he dry needles it and releases the nerves and then the muscles start firing the way they're supposed to and then, you know, happy days. Um, so, you know, that might be something you might need to look at. But I think firstly, just assessing how you're doing it is probably the key. So try and find someone to do that. Do you have training splits, upper lower push, pull legs, et cetera, that you recommend? Um, yeah. So, so when you think I, about the days you want to train first, establish. Yeah. So kind of what we said, yeah. Like, I mean, establish the days, how many days you can train for how long you can train that that's going to determine that. I think if you're somebody, you know, who's open-ended, you're like, I could train for as long as I need to every single day of the week if I wanted to. I think in that case, it just yeah, always start with enjoyment. Like what, what kind of training split would you prefer to do and really like get excited about doing um, and providing that it's, it's set up in a way that's going to give you, you know, like, like you should be able to, to set up a training structure and be able to do it for at least 12 months before you even look at changing it. Like for most people, they just, they chop and change their, 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 their structure and exercise selection too frequently. And why is that bad? Actually, that's something that I meant to ask you about, but I forgot. Good one. Well, you, you just, the, the thing is like people change things too frequently. Let's say like your, your stiff leg deadlifts at a certain weight and you've sort of been doing it for like six weeks. Oh, I'm going to change it. I'm going to do remaining deadlifts now. And now I'm going to do normal deadlifts. I'm going to do whatever. And then I'll, you know, whatever. And then if you come back to it later on and you do that same movement again, but you haven't, after the initial couple of weeks of just relearning the movement again, if you haven't actually made any progress in terms of your actual strength capability, then the reality is making all of those changes didn't do anything other than just waste your time. Most people can stay with this, those same big key lifts for a really long time and continue to, extract an extra rep an extra little bit of weight an extra little rep here and there over time and just you know 20 30 40 kilos up on some of those big movements and you know it's 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 slow and i know some people are like oh but i need variety to kind of change it up and it's just like well you can do that but the reality is i found that most people if they change things too frequently they don't get enough momentum to actually see any genuine progress they feel sore a lot more and they often equate soreness to being something that's like, oh, this program is working. And I'm like, but we know that we, we know from obviously our anecdotal experience, but even, you know, all the evidence now that muscle damage doesn't really mean anything. It just means your muscles are sore. You know, they're not, they're not a very good proxy to knowing that you've had a, a legitimately successful workout. So I think most people, they just like find a structure that works, find the exercise variations that you can do really, really well. And just like, like a, a, a wet rag, just keep squeezing that thing, get every drop out of it until you've legitimately hit a plateau, like over like a three or four week period where you've done, even with recovery, nutrition, all that stuff on point, you've been able to not progress it. Then, only then, okay, cool, make a change then. But you just don't need to do that. So, um, but in terms of like training splits, I think full body splits are fantastic. A lot of people don't want to train them because they're really hard. <laughs> um, I, I've done full body. I think they're great. Upper lower, I think is a good happy medium for most people. You know, it's a, it's a good frequency and, and it kind of works pretty well. Push pull legs is a little bit more advanced because the frequency overall is a little bit lower for people. Um, 
but I've done that and it, and it's and it's worked as well. So um, I believe any training program will work, providing you execute it well with a high amount of effort. Um, so, yeah. Where to start if you have knee issues? I feel like I can't do anything. Well, you, you need to go and get uh, assessed from a from a professional, like a, a physio or an osteo or something, and actually find out what's wrong with it. Um, yeah, but I, it's it's hard for me to comment. Like, I mean, if you've just got knee issues, cool. Train your upper body. You could you could train your upper body two or three times a week, and start making progress. You know, if it's a knee issue. Is it a knee issue from the from knee extension or knee flexion? If it's a if it's a, a a knee extension issue, it's like okay, well, can you do deadlifts, right? Where there's not much um, knee bend, right? So you're loading more of your posterior chain, right? So maybe it's just squats or lunges that are causing issues. Okay, don't do those movements. Set up a training structure that removes the exercises that cause you issues, and focus on the ones that you can do. And in the meantime, get assessed by someone and try and get to the bottom of it and try and fix it. Uh, last few questions. When trying to change body composition through strength training, what's the best way to track progress? Eating at maintenance, a bit nervous about the scales. Measurements? Look at your measurements. Yeah, well, I think like you've got to track your body weight every day. So mm -hmm. wake up first thing in the morning, go to the bathroom before you eat or drink anything, jump on the scales, do that every single day. And then at the end of the week, add up all of those days and then divide it by seven to give you your weekly average. At that point, once you do your weekly average, do your measurements then, right? And then continue to do that every week. And then you're going to start, after a couple of weeks, you'll start to see a trend. Is your weight staying the same? Okay, cool, but what's happening with your measurements? If your weight's staying the same, but your measurements are going down, that's body recomposition. That means there's muscle going on and there's fat coming off. That's excellent. Right, and often we've had a lot of clients. I'm like, oh, the scales aren't changing. I'm like, I, I, I let you one of the coaches yesterday. You know, there was a, a client just saying, I've just, my, my, you know, I really want to get to this body weight. And I'm not I'm nowhere near that. And I'm like, but you're down like 30 centimeters. I'm like, you're you have to be down a dress size at least by down. Oh yeah, I'm down two dress sizes. So what's the problem? Well, I really wanted to be at this weight. And I'm like, well, just keep going. Like your body composition is changing, but it's just like what's happening right now is that you're eating at maintenance, you're eating and you're growing muscle. This particular person wasn't particularly strong, hadn't had or you know, very much a beginner. So it's just like you're just going through body recomposition. Muscle is going on, fat's going off, right? The, the, the total body weight will happen down the track. But right now, your body composition is the most favorable because you could lose a bunch of weight, but your measurements don't change. That just means you've lost muscle and you haven't really lost much fat but that's not a good position to be in at all or if you're so, small i think too like you're going to go the reverse way like i was yes. my average is about 62 kilos i'm 68 mm. kilos now 68 and a half yeah i've got heaps you more look, muscle and you look way better so yeah. yeah you've got it you've got to track your your body weight every day so you can work out your weekly average and you've got to do your measurements once a week so you can actually see body composition because just looking at scale weight it's just the total weight of the muscle and fat that you have. So without doing measurements, you can't actually tell if muscle is going on or if fat's coming off. Like you need both and you need to assess them together, but you've got to assess them over a couple of weeks so you can start to see a trend of what's happening. Mm. And that that ultimately will determine your caloric intake and then based off your activity levels per day, how many steps you're doing, plus the weight training, you know, that's, that's what ultimately gives you 
the best picture. So I, I think if you're a beginner, I think starting at maintenance calories is perfectly acceptable and just make sure you get in the gym and train your ass off. Like, you know, try and, try and get as strong as possible doing all those key lifts and you know, set up a straightening st structure that allows you to make progress and recover. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that's the last of the questions. Thanks so much, Craig. And if you're new here, <laughs> oh, he loves talking about it. You see how he gets so energized by talking about training. It's so passionate. Mm. It's fired up, don't you? Old sausage. Yeah, um, indeed. So <laughs> if you're new or you've been following us for a while and you haven't done anything yet, um, join our seven-day eat more, train less, get results challenge. So we develop this over years of helping women restore their metabolisms, eat more food and not train six, seven days a week um, and achieve their health and body goals. So unlike other programs online, it's a holistic approach. So it provides you with everything you need to know for long-term success, more energy, more stable moods, better sleep, better digestion, balanced hormones, and of course, long-term sustainable weight loss and body composition change while eating real fucking food, not cutting out entire food groups, not cutting out sugar, not cutting out carbs, not cutting out dairy. Um, so you get a full meal plan, workout plan for home and the gym, full training video exercise libraries. So you get coach by coach sausage here. That's his nickname, everyone. If you are listening, thinking, why the fuck is she calling him coach sausage? Well, he's, I called him that on a live one day now, coaching program. Now everyone calls him that. Um, so uh, exercise videos by Craig, um, uh, metabolically supportive recipes. Uh, so recipe book, meal plan, food list, supplement guides, um, great community, private Facebook group, um, and education for long-term success. So all the whys behind why we do what we do. So I'll pop, pop a link in the show notes. It's $27 Australian. You get lifetime access, um, and we have women all over the world in the program. So thanks again, Craig. Really appreciate you sharing or you so passionately sharing your knowledge, and we will be back again next week. Mm -hmm.